Welcome to The Game Doctor, where I, Dr. Phil, diagnose games on how fun they are, offer evidence-based strategy advice, and give a second opinion on what could make games even better. And of course, this is the home of the Rosen blog. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rosen blog. In this episode for this month of May, uh, it might be a quicker than usual episode. Not too much news to talk about for now. And just as an overview, I want to go into the history of the game Bonanza, which is Uwe Rosenberg's seminal work that uh, put him on the trajectory to open up, you know, financially and, and otherwise the pathway to make uh, some of the games that we know and love today, such as Agricola, uh, A Feast for Odin, etc. And so even though this game is nothing like these big box games that we know today, uh, you know, as it is a more family-friendly card game, I think there are a lot of cool uh, aspects of the development of this game. And I, I want to get into the history of the design space and the design diary, per se, of Bonanza. And this is all based off of a article that was an excerpt of an interview that was done through email um, with Uwe Rosenberg. I forget who did it in particular, but I will link the Board Game Geek uh, blog post about this uh, interview that he had years ago, I think, with the creation of Bonanza. Uh, it's a good read. I won't read it out for you necessarily. Uh, I, I will kind of go over the salient thoughts and and the design journey that became Bonanza. And then I'll go into my own personal review of Bonanza. I was able to acquire the 25th anniversary edition and got to play that a few times. And so, yeah, so let's get into the episode. But before we head into the review and history of Bonanza, uh, just a few items of of news, I suppose, within the last month or so, um, I guess two pieces of news. One, Dahlia, a new uh, reprint or rebranding of Bonanza, is was announced uh, with art from Beth Sobel. From what it looks like, the gameplay is the same, and it should be it should have all the same rules as the 25th anniversary edition, anyway. But each instead of beans, you know, each card is a different flower, and so yeah, you know, if if people don't own Bonanza or, and, and they're looking for a copy of their own and can't find the original versions or with the original um, artwork and, and depictions of beans. <laughs> or or if, you, if you just don't, you know, want to play with beans anymore and you want to play with flowers instead with, uh, with the beautiful artwork that Beth Sobel does, then um, I would suggest checking this out. This should be released later this year. And in addition to that, too, one minor bit of news is that the new game from Uwe Rosenberg, in combination with um, Michael Keller and Andreas Odendal, Planta Nubo, uh, has a Board Game Geek page now. Uh, and so this is becoming more and more official. There aren't too many uh, forum threads as of yet, or any more information such as Rulebook or anything like that. And so when that does appear... Be sure that we will cover that on a, an upcoming Rosen blog. But we're one step closer to finding more uh, out more about this game, and we're super excited to, to learn more. So with that 
out of the way, let's talk about Bonanza. So this is a game for two to seven players, um, and this is depending on, er, and this is kind of a culmination of all of the different uh, expansions and rules that have been added through the years. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, this is a, a game for uh, two to seven players, plays in about 45 minutes, family-friendly game, family weight and complexity by Uwe Rosenberg with artists including Frederick Bertrand, Merrick Blaha, Andrea Beckoff, Lemons Franz, and many more uh, artists that are listed on BoardGameGeek. As a quick overview in Bonanza, what you do in this game is you have a hand of cards that are of different beans of different values. And what you essentially do is you, you know, draw a couple of cards on your turn, uh, two beans from this uh, shared deck in the middle of the, of the table. You have to plant those beans, but you have the option beforehand to trade beans with other players. And once you do trade beans from your hand or from in front of you, uh, from these drawn cards, then you must plant those beans that were traded to you into your fields. And you have, you know, two or three fields, depending on uh, the player count and, you know, what variance you're using. Uh, you plant those beans in front of you and you're basically set collecting these beans, uh, these different types of beans into uh, different piles. If you collect a certain number of a certain type of bean, then you will score a certain number of points. The more beans you collect and harvest, the more points you get. Uh, so this, there are some beans like the green bean, not the green bean, but the uh, fava bean. It, um, it's it's one of the it's it, it's there's basically three beans in the deck three or four beans in the deck. And so if you collect two of them, you get two points, three of them, you get, you know, three points, etc. But then like the blue beans and the chili beans, there are probably like 18 or 20 cards in the deck. Uh, and so you have to collect a lot more of those onto your fields in order to score them for higher points. Once you have planted your traded beans, you pass the starter, uh, the player marker, uh, clockwise and then the next player draws two more cards from the deck and I forgot to mention you do draw some more cards uh, from this deck of about a hundred cards or so um, and if you're not playing with any variants you go through the deck you you keep collecting beans trading beans and harvesting them until you go through the deck you flip over the discard pile shuffle it play through that whole deck again and then a third time and at the end of the third uh completion of of the deck whoever has the most points wins at the end of the game so where was the inspiration for this trading game right uh for me personally i thought it would be something like pit i believe pit was a game that was created a lot earlier in history but in actuality the inspiration for bonanza came from two games that were uh, created just right before Bonanza was published, which was in 1997. Um, I, I will say the first couple of playtests of this game was two years prior in 1995. But the first game that inspired Bonanza was actually Civilization, the original Civilization game made in 1980. And so, according to Uwe, uh, he loved playing Civilization with his friends when he was a student in at college and university. 
of course, you know, it's one of these games that does take a whole day to, to prepare and to play uh, many hours, you know, eight to ten hours to, to go through a, an entire game, which was very common in a lot of those games back back in that day, in that era. <laughs> and one of the aspects of that game that is still true when you do play some of the uh, most recent reprints, I believe last year there was a reprint and a, a rebuffing of this game in the form of Western Civilization and Eastern Civilization. But And, and there are many things about this game, like you know, um, building up cities and, and having military presence, going up a tech track, but there's also an aspect of trading in this game. And if you've played both games, you can see the similarity where in Civilization you have a hand of goods uh, in addition to calamities as well. And in the game, you have a phase where you're trading with other players freely amongst the table. Uh, there's, there's no set person that you have to trade with. And you basically kind of pit style. You, you call out what you have available um, from what I understand, I've never played Civilization myself, but I've heard of other people playing it and their and the rules as it is and their experience with this game and trading is that you can you have to tell the truth about at least one of the cards in your hand or at least some of the cards in your hand, but then you can be lying about one or so of those cards, and so that's how you get rid of these calamities, which are negative events that if you have in your hand at a certain time in the game, you have to play them and. Um, suffer the negative consequence. And so that's one way to get rid of those those um, negative aspects of your hand to other players, <laughs> in addition to trading away goods for goods that you would need to uh, gain resources or money or advance in the tech track, etc. Right. And so Uwe really enjoyed this part of the game. And of course, he wanted to create a game that could distill the aspect of trading into a more reasonable time frame compared to the hours-long event that was and is civilization. In addition to the trading aspect of the game and having kind of that free wheeling and dealing uh, during that phase of civilization, in addition, these goods that you were trading had certain values to them, like one through nine. And so... Uh, I believe it's very similar to how it is in Bonanza, where you have some goods that are worth more, but they're a lot more scarce, uh, found throughout the trading goods deck, versus those that are a little bit more common, but worth a little bit less. And so it's easier to collect those, but you'd have to amass a lot more in order to benefit from that. And so Uwe adapted that kind of rating and 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 uh, scoring trade scoring scale basically that is found in that trade goods deck in Civilization to be somewhat mirrored in Bonanza, where you do have cards that are a little bit more scarce in the game, but are worth more points if you do find them and collect them, harvest them uh, for points, right? And so this is what he refers to as the Bonometer. And you know, there were probably, you know, he goes into this, some of the statistics on how he divvied up what, you know, how many cards would need to be in this deck and how many points they would be worth at certain, you know, collection levels. If you have one of these cards versus three versus five, or, you know, for the rarer beans, uh, you know, having like two or three beans, for example, uh, netting you two or three points. And so, and so 
that also that aspect of how many beans you need to collect in your fields before you harvest also comes from civilization. Then finally, the second game that inspired or majorly inspired uh, Bonanza was a game by Alan R. Moon, who is widely known for Ticket to Ride, but for an earlier game called Freight Train. It's also called Rybach and Company uh, or Freight Train, the card game. Uh, this is about that same time that these first playtests were performed in 1995, uh, where in this game, not to go into it too, in, in too much depth, but basically when you do acquire a train, you have to flip it over. And, and so the back of the card basically becomes the locomotive. And then other cards that you collect during the game become a part of the freight train and the, uh, the actual train that uh, is, uh, you know, towed by the, the, by the train that is flipped over. And so in Bonanza, you do have that element where you collect these traded beans. Once you receive them or trade them, you have to plant them into your silos or excuse me, your, your fields. They used to be silos. I will get into that a little bit more, but you must plant them. And so sometimes you have to remove them, remove already planted beans. If you, even if you don't want to, or if you have enough beans to even score a point, you have to make that choice to remove it, um, discard those cards without, you know, keeping one for points and then planting the beans that were traded to you. And then if you harvest them, then that aspect of flipping a card over, uh, representing, you know, at, on the backs of each of these Bonanza cards is a coin. And so if you flip over a certain number of beans, um, and, and if you, by according to the Bonometer, you know, are able to score two points, you keep two of those cards, you flip them over and, and keep those for the end of the game to be scored as points. Uh, with the rest of the cards that you did flip over for harvest going back into the discard pile and being able to be reshuffled later on in the game. And so that aspect also came from Freight Train. Originally, this game was not called Bonanza. It was actually called Colchose. And pardon me if I do butcher that name, uh, or I guess it could be called Silo. And so this game that was uh, originally, you know, the, the the theme around it was was more farming related not or i should say not just bean farming related it was more generalized you know such as having like barley and rye and wheat be these different cards instead of uh different types of beans right and so instead of planting them on your field you would plant them into your silos and uh you know if you didn't have enough room in your silos those uh like i mentioned before those beans would be removed and discarded without scoring any points in order to make room for better crop. And it was interesting too that this this aspect of this game, in addition to the mechanisms from the other games listed uh, above, was also a play on kind of a method of agriculture that was found in the former Soviet Union at the time, which was called to called as you know translated to be a collective farm, where you, you know, farmers in order to make a profit would, you know, originally, you know, keep a stash of, of a certain product or a certain crop in their silos, but then they would remove that to make room for a better crop that would sell a little bit easier and make them more money. And so the article goes into this a little bit more, but there's also a kind of a real life uh, tie into this game that I did not know about 
in regards to actual um, farming and agricultural practices back, uh, you know, 25 years ago. And so I thought that was pretty interesting. Uwe goes into a couple more thoughts in how to how to make this game feel even more unique in regards to the set hand where I don't think I mentioned this in the game overview, but once you draw your hand, your initial hand of five cards, you can't rearrange them. They have to stay in the same way. And so the the rightmost card is going to be the one that is planted first um, with the leftmost card being at the back of the line. And so the goal of the game is to trade some of those beans out to other players to formulate a better pattern for you to to be able to plant beans quicker, right? And so, uh, yeah, so that element was was added in addition to the fact that um, you had set fields with that you you know you couldn't uproot a, a bean and plant it somewhere else. Uh, and you're limited to only two fields, especially at the beginning, uh, was because it was too easy at the time. If you could just rearrange your cards, you, you knew exactly what beans you wanted, and you could you had more fluidity with how uh, your fields were arranged, and therefore, I, I think they started out with three fields to begin with, or it was just really easy to get to three fields, and it was really easy to know what beans you needed, what other beans other folks needed that you're playing with, and to make those trades uh, feel very easy. And so the element of keeping your hand rigid without being able to shuffle or rearrange them, as well as having to remove entire beans from your field, uh, even if you don't have enough of those beans to begin with to formulate even a single point in order to make room for better beans that you think will have a better potential to make you more points in the long run added that element to the game, which I really like, and I'll talk about that more in the review portion of this game. But that's basically the foundation of what Bonanza is and how it came to be through initial playtests and inspirations from different board games and real-life situations. And so I found it very interesting. Once again, I if, if you do find this interesting, go ahead and look at the link that I will post in the show notes as well as it being found on the blog post on Board Game Geek to uh, read that for yourself. It is it is in its original German format and language, but uh, easily Google translatable, and you can read that for yourself to kind of go through the process of different questions that Uwe asked himself to make the game more streamlined or a little bit more challenging or unique feeling, basically, and not too easy and, and too uh, simple <laughs> uh, for that regard. So that transitions well into my review of this game. And, and to start off with, my my personal history of Bonanza was unexpected. And, and actually, I was exposed to this game in particular and to Uwe Rosenberg long before I was really into hobby board gaming. It was even before I played Pandemic, which I feel like is my point zero and the game that really started it out for me. Uh, for being interested in tabletop gaming as a hobby and to seek out other games of its ilk. And so years, a couple of years before, I wasn't too much, you know, younger than I was my teenage self when I played Pandemic for the first time. I was probably young teens or, you know, 10 years older or so. And I remember going over to uh, some neighbor's house. Uh, they were uh, adults that, you know, w- 
we were friends with, you know, our family was friends with, and my uncle was there too. And he brought over a game uh, to play with my brother, myself, and these neighbors and himself. So there's, I think, five at the table. And that was Bonanza. And we, I remember playing Bonanza. I, I had played Pit before. And so I had an idea of knowing, you know, making trades and uh, the, the raucous, you know, um, boisterous environment that surrounds the trading phase of Pit. You know, I, I, I was expecting that to happen in this game, but I remember it being a lot more calm and collected, but it was still fun. People were laughing and, and ribbing each other to say, Hey, you know, why don't you trade me this? I can trade you this or, or that, you know, I can owe owe you a bean in the future and, and things like that. Opening it up for that above the table talk that is found in Bonanza. In addition to just the streamlined rules and the, the tough decisions that you had to make as well. Um, it, it was just a fun time. And I guess it was fun enough because <clears throat> when I was reviewing my my thoughts and, and reflecting on my experiences recently with Bonanza, I remembered that experience and that gameplay that I had years prior to my my hobby game entry. And so it left an you know a clear enough mark for me to remember and to bring back to this discussion now of Bonanza as a you know unseen, previously un, unheard and and forgotten. A piece of the puzzle that that formulated my interest in tabletop board gaming. But what I really like about Bonanza, first of all, is the above table talk, right? I've really enjoyed Euro games, and this obviously has a lot of rules set in place to make it feel unique and offer some decisions and, you know, point collection that is often seen in Euro style gaming, as well as, you know, German board style um, German style of board games and card games that were prevalent back in the 90s and early 2000s. And and so this game had that, but it also, with the trading aspect, introduced the element of being able to not only look at what your players needed, but they could voice that themselves. And they had to because if they didn't, you know, if they just sat back, you know, in silence and waiting for you to look around the board, they wouldn't know what you would have in your hand. They would only see what's in your fields. And so you could potentially, you know, uh, call for, for trades that could benefit you in the near future. And, and it allows that strategic planning a couple of turns ahead to, um, you know, harvest beans and plant new beans from your hand quickly. If you do accumulate some of those ahead of time, uh, which is an element that I enjoy in Euro games and strategic games, strategic games in general, where you can plan ahead and formulate uh, strategies that do take you know a couple of turns into account when you're when you're playing. They're not wholly tactical, and this game obviously does offer some luck of the draw when you do draw cards from the deck, but uh, you know and the whole aspect of, you know, uh, planting your beans and harvesting them and trading them was a way to mitigate the luck of the draw, according to Uwe in his design diary for this game. And so that strategic element is there, but the the meta that that evolves above the table when you're interacting with players not only can be intra, you know, or found in the game itself, you know, intra-game um, talk and interactions, but 
but in between games as well. And, and if you do play this game more often to say with, with your family members, you can, you know, remember games in the past and kind of build upon that foundation of how people play and approach this game. Very similar to other games that I've mentioned before, such as Avalon uh, or the Resistance Avalon, uh, you know, more social interactive, social deduction type of games offer this ability to develop a meta rather than having the focus be on you solving your puzzle with minimal interaction with other players in the game. And so so this game offers both in-game interaction with you viewing the the different harvests and, you know, seeing who's ahead of of the curve and who has more beans and what, what they're collecting, but also the element of, of even bluffing too. You could, you could pretend to have certain beans in your collection or want certain beans really bad um, to be able to maybe block another player from collecting those beans or being able to, you know, use favors in the future to, to, you know, you you could develop that in in your own style of gaming uh, with Bonanza. And I think, that creates uh, an environment that is friendly, that introduces laughter and, and co- you know, friendly competition that is often hard to find in heavier games these days with, without, uh, in, in, with games that don't have as much interaction. And so that I do really appreciate in Bonanza. But finally, uh, something that was elucidated from the article was how how you made this game, even though it is family friendly, not feel too easy or scripted. And the element of having your cards be the same and not rearrangeable in your hand, uh, you know, having the same, you know, uh, occupied space and having to make the decision of whether you need to remove cards from your uh, fields and and to move them over at the cost of potentially losing some points now for the potential benefit of getting even more points later creates interesting decisions to make, right? And so you're not only playing the game with other players and, you know, uh, trying to wheel and deal them for beans that you want, but you need to make those decisions on what beans you need and to, to plan ahead and harvest them at the right time and plant them at the right time. And so the, the whole, Bonometer aspect of this game, having cards uh, be at different, uh, you know, uh, card counts in the deck entirely and be worth different points as well. Um, And having and being forced to plant beans that you're traded and and plant beans from a certain spot in your hand as well creates for some interesting decisions that sure, you know, if you do try your best to kind of keep a, a general count of the cards and what people have been planting and harvesting and what's in the discard pile, sure, you can kind of get a feel for what cards uh, need to be traded for and what um, avenues of of collection that you should go and, and embark on before the deck is reshuffled again uh, creates for some some tough decisions to make, which are, are fun for families. You know, it's a streamlined experience, but it's also fun for gamers who do enjoy more of a an opportunity to make tough decisions. It's uh, there aren't too many decision points or, or branches that you have to play with, but there are enough that it, it does create for an interesting Euro style experience with uh, different tough but good decisions to make, right? <clears throat> and and so and and the aspect of the deck reshuffling itself and being played through over and over again at least three times, uh, or at most three times, does 
you know, it introduces a little bit of more luck into the game and a little bit more hopefulness to draw, you know, the cards that you might need. It's like, okay, you know, I, we're at the end of the deck. Um, I've been collecting these chili beans. I just need, you know, one or two more. Oh, you know, if we shuffle all these cards back again, I know a lot of people had planted and harvested chili beans before. And so maybe I can, you know, get another shot at it uh, real soon to be able to harvest for more points. And it's it's really interesting too with some of those higher uh, bean counts and, and card counts in, in the deck. Uh, Uve does mention like, you know, sometimes trading for that one bean will just push you over the edge from gaining instead of two points to three points, right? Or even two to four points or something like that too. And so um, at different points, say, you know, collecting your first one or two beans is not as important and you know, it may be easier to trade for two of those beans for one in your hand to someone else. But then, you know, once people know that you're harvesting that, they see that you only need one or two more beans to um, push your score up another level, uh, then they really, you know, keep track of who's trading to who. And maybe they need to be persuaded a little bit more from yourself and other players to trade that one bean that would make all the difference for you to gain that point. And so, so that element as well creates some of that tension that is a friendly tension that is found in, in trading games, but also in this experience, creating some tough decisions to make that I really enjoy. So since I have not played this game 10 times, I've decided to only give this a preliminary diagnosis. I like to play a game at least 10 times or so before I kind of settle in on an opinion <laughs> that may or may not be changed with even more plays. But uh, after the the handful of plays that I've had of Bonanza through the years, um, but especially recently, I'm, I'm giving it a 7 out of 10. Uh, I do really enjoy the, the quick experience, and it does fit in as a good uh, game that you can kind of squeeze in with a large group of people who want to play a, you know, a trading card game or a, a card game with trading in it. Um, within a, you know, 30 to 45 minute experience. Um, every time that I've played, there have been lots of laughs, lots of uh, good experiences. There have been some times, though, where it, it does seem pretty straightforward. And I feel like that is more apparent at a lower player count. Um, whether you you play the, the um, like, this complete anniversary edition version of, of Bonanza at a two-player, uh, I know there are probably some variant rules uh, to incorporate that player account. And I know there is Bonanza the Duel as well, which I have not yet played, which I will and, and probably will talk about in a future episode. But at a lower player account, I, I do feel like it's harder to um, have the experience where you're making lots of different trades and you're and the tough decisions on who to trade to who uh, is increased, right? At a lower player count, say to two to three players, uh, it may be a little bit more difficult to to find uh, a suitable option on who to trade with, and and you may not have as many options to trade with. It's either this or that person, right? And so whoever has the bean that you're looking for may offer it or not, you know. And so the the trades do seem a little bit more uh, more redundant or scripted, in my opinion. In addition to you know, you you can play this game on alpha. It's in alpha mode in board game arena. Uh, it is a it's tough to have this game be playable online. And I've tried this before with, with family and friends 
where we've tried to play Bonanza. And in addition to the limited amount of player counts, I think I think four to five, you know, around five players is, is a good count that you can play this game at. But in, in addition to maybe a less count, uh, trying to, you know, make these trades virtually is difficult to do. And, you know, it's it's easier to kind of gauge based off of body language and, and looking at the people, you know, to your left and right and, and ahead of you. And seeing the way that they react to trades in real time is kind of that experience that needs to needs to happen. Uh, it's it's a lot easier and streamlined in person versus over a virtual format. And so for me too, that does play an aspect to how I rate this game because I do tend to play games virtually these days, and it's harder to bring a table or a group of people together um, in this phase of life to play a game in to begin with, let alone. Uh, to play this game and so i may be when i do have the rare opportunity uh which is for me becoming personally more uh, available and and frequent now actually but we are you know gravitating to more you know to heavier games or to more uh, thematic games we don't necessarily you know we only have a limited amount of time and so we dedicate all that time to playing a single game rather than having an event where you can play multiple games back to back and having Bonanza kind of fit in that, you know, in between space or at the beginning or end of a game night, right? Where I feel like it does uh, fit in very well. Or, you know, in the situation, if you have your family members, it's late at night, you're having a family night and, you know, you have young kids or, or you know, older kids that are able to play this game and you can only play one game before bedtime, right? And so you, you do have this available in that situation too. And so I do hope for this game to kind of come out and play the play in that space when my kids get older one day. But, but in the meantime, I still really enjoy it. It's, it's still a, a good score, a seven out of 10 for me. I do enjoy and recommend it to people who do have this, you know, a, a maybe a better situation to be able to play this game. I think it is worth your time. And even though it is a dated game, the mechanisms do feel unique because they are based off of games that were, you know, present around that time that aren't being played as much today. I mean, sure, Civilization is a game that was reprinted last year, but, you know, it's one of those event type of games that just take hours to, to play. And so, you know, not it's not going to be as streamlined or, or, or um, in the kind of the spotlight or the limelight of, of different board game discussions uh, as we have gravitated more towards games that can be played in a in somewhat reasonable amount of hours, you know, one to three hours, right? And so, yeah. Anyway, it's it's really cool to see some of these bigger, heavier games be distilled into a streamlined card game, family-friendly experience that's Bonanza. And there's a reason why it is so successful, especially in Europe, and it has trickled over here to the States and has set up the financial and board game uh, success that Uwe Rosenberg needed at that time to be able to take the next step to develop games that we really enjoy today, such as Agricola. And so thank you for sticking around with my um, my thoughts and, and reflections and what I've learned about the history of Bonanza and this seminal game of Uwe Rosenberg. Um, feel free to, you know, leave a comment, you know, about your experiences with Bonanza and how much it's impacted your tastes and games and your board game experiences throughout the years. And uh, yeah, so... Once again, all of the links to the uh, posts are going to be in the show notes. Uh, and, you know, 
thank you for sticking around in, with this next Rosenberg. Uh, as far as forecasting what I would want to talk about next, barring there's any huge announcement for like a rule book for a new game or something like that, I do want to eventually get a review of Newsford. Hopefully, you know, within the next couple of months, especially as we get closer to the big box release that should be happening later this year. I also want to talk about Hollertau. I've gotten to about 10 plays of that as well. And continue to kind of dive into some of the games that I've talked about before, such as A Feast for Odin, Caverna, Agricola, and perhaps go into some more thoughts about those games, the histories behind those games, and strategies as well. And so uh, stay tuned for some of that. That's what I have cooking in my mind right now for this uh, for this part of the podcast. But uh, hope to catch you uh, soon on some of the uh, future Rosen blogs as well as the regular episodes. And uh, hope you schedule an appointment with your board game doctor real soon. Take care.